Welcome to this week's episode. It's an episode of the Dirty Lie podcast. You might have heard of it. And if you haven't, welcome anyways. You're currently hearing of it. I know, right? It's very meta. You are in the thing as it is happening. You know, people always say, oh, you never realize the best time of your life. Until you look back. Yeah, but now you can actually be in the moment. And you can know that what you are doing is enjoying. It's, It's good stuff. As Nigerians say, whenever you wake up, is your morning. Exactly. Welcome to the Dirty Light Podcast. Good morning. Um, Des is your host. I'm your co-host, TMT. Yeah. And um, we are ready to rumble. We're going to talk about Nigeria's role in World War II today. Um, it's an episode I've been playing with for a while in bits and pieces in previous episodes. And this weekend, or this week, earlier this week, I this where I was like, you know what, TMT, do you want to, do you want to talk about this? And I was like, yeah, sure, I could get into it. You could get into it. I could get into it. Excited? <laughs> I'm, I'm quite excited actually. You look a bit nervous. This guy is choking his water bottle like he's holding it so tight. <laughs> There's a lot of tension in this episode. That's the thing. Mm. Um, there are ups and downs. There. Okay. Um, twists and turns twists and turns 100% um, army people are funny people and um, you don't gotta tell me twice <laughs> really and truly the the thing that we should all take home just before we get into the episode is that we're not just going to talk about the war we're going to discuss um, you know things back home you know all the all these men had been conscripted and taking away from their families. And what was life like? What was li- life like for everyone else back home? Um, so look, we're going to get into it. I just want you want you want your, you want your facts, one of which might be a dirty lie. Yeah, this is this is a very weird recording for me. I feel quite naked without my laptop. I'm sorry, but do you want to get it? My laptop spoiled. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the screen. I forgot about that. <laughs> It's so impressive of my laptop. I have had her for since 2015, mm. and she did not spoil until Pound entered 1004. <laughs> to Pound entered VI. <laughs> to Pound entered VI. Packed at 1004. What's what a time to be alive. Please, you know, let's, do the, let's, let's get to the facts. Let me not think about my current situation. All right. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. One. Fact number one. Yeah. The British Army conscripted men who are as young as 14 for World War II. Mm-hmm. Fact number two. The Nigerian Civil War of 1966, a solid you know, 20 years after, yeah. was fought and organized by many veterans of the Second World War. Okay. And fact number three. Yeah. The Home Office was aware of the fact that sending colonial soldiers to Europe could risk ex- exposing them to radical political ideas which would eventually destabilize British rule in Africa. Mm-hmm. And African forces were therefore sent to Southeast Asia and other parts of Africa. Okay. So which do you think is a lie? Well, first truth I'm going to say is that they did not want Nigerian soldiers to be woke. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't send us to Europe. They sent us to India, Burma, Ethiopia, Abbey. Yeah. I don't know if we went up north, but I know they sent us to these places. 
Um, so I'm going to say that one is true. Yeah. Um, in terms of recruiting soldiers as young as 14, I know they recruited uh, children. I don't know if it was like an official thing that they did or if it just happened to happen that they took very young mm-hmm. uh, boys, really, yeah. a 14 year old as a child. Um, and number two, the 1966 coup that is number three. No, number two, oh, is yeah, the number two is right? Yeah. The that's the coup that gives us Aguirre Rossi. It did. Um, it gave us a lot of officers. Yeah, but Aguirre Rossi becomes head of state after yes. 66. Um, but I remember those guys being young. I remember those guys being young. Like the coup protests, I mm-hmm. want to say, I don't think anybody had reached 40. So, uh, it's a hard one, but I will say that the coup is the lie. I will say that they recruited boys as young as 14. Where's my... I got it wrong. Yeah, hold on. I need to turn off the vo- turn up the volume for me. I got it wrong. Obviously, this brings me no great pleasure. You know that. You know, I'm always, I'm always rooting for you. What? I got it wrong. I'm always rooting for you. But yeah, this is... Um, I got it wrong. Yeah, you were wrong. Um, the Nigerian Civil War of 1966 was, in fact, fought and organized by many veterans of the Second World War. So... Um, in terms of leadership, yeah, a lot of them were vets. Not the people that took power, or not the people that took control. I'm talking about the people that fought, people that helped plan, people that had military. Um, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you said civil war. Yeah, I was thinking coup. Ah, uh, civil war. You said civil war. I you did. did say civil I did war. Say civil war. I'm sorry. Mm. That obviously, yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm forgiving myself for getting that wrong. Because, I forgive you too. Oh, man. I was thinking about the coup plus. I was like, nah. You were so close. Um, I mean, no. If, we, if, we, if we're going to the recruitment one, it many of the recruits were as low as 16. Okay. But also, like, it's very possible that a, 30, a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old could have slipped yeah, in there. But the official age was 16. It was 16. I was imagining that the official age would be higher, but mm-hmm. that somebody younger would have still fought in that war. Yeah. But okay, so what are you going to hit me up with? Um, look at you. You are doing World War Two and the Civil War in one episode. <laughs> You're a strong man. I had to find a way to link it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we can go into really and truly the, um, let's start with the home office and the oh, okay. fear of, of the wokeness, of waking up the soldiers, you know, I yeah. mean, obviously like this was World War Two, so it's still the Soviet Union at this point. Um, those ideas of communism were big. They had spread across Europe immensely. They were reaching the Americas. America was still grasping um, with the concept, but they also had a war on their hands. So I, I don't think they had fully figured out how to brand communists then. Mm. So those ideas were spreading more freely across, um, you know, the educated class in Africa and um, the bourgeoisie. Yeah. And the common man. Mm-hmm. 
oh it was really big in the uk um all these unions were forming the communist parties were forming um there were there were like random um, neo-fascist parties forming that were influenced by like early communist literature but mm-hmm. then had evolved into their own far-right version of like na- na- uh, nas- into like nationalism and weird racial tropes because one thing about white people is they'll find a way to make anything good or bad racist yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um no so yes um you know around that time there was uh, around that time there's a lot of downtime in the war because the way um the battles would be fought would be there would be several regiments and they would opt out for each other so regiments would be on the front lines for maybe six months or a year and then they would go for like they would literally send these soldiers to somewhere like maybe paris or india for like a two-month break and another regiment would take over and during that two-month break or one-month break or six-week break or whatever they would become radicalized yeah they would like you know read and talk to locals and go to parties go to um house parties and you know have their minds open and the british were very wary of that especially because world war one wasn't super far away in their memory Mm. at the time so they knew how these things kind of worked and you know they were scared of losing africa because of because of one indian summer um so yeah that was the reason why yeah i knew that like i i mean it also made sense because the enemies would try and wars were fought along the lines of propaganda mm-hmm. i mean it's not very hard to like propaganda hitler i know in nigeria they basically they basically painted him as satan and oh you, yeah you now had like essentially it's like a war against satan and you had people who were previously uh anti-colonial independence fighters yeah kind of rally behind the union jack and the interesting you know, Zikiwe was one of them the interesting yeah. thing is um there's a reason why they did that the government and its spokespeople the home office had assured them that look i won't lie to you things weren't great before the war we didn't treat you guys great but now we have a common enemy and this is your time to fight side by side as brothers in arms with the british empire mm. and if you know if we do this after the war it's full-on agency you know you, you you control your own government you get more rights this and that so uh you know the our troublemakers our protesters our leaders took a break during the war they took a back seat um nigerian publications went heavy when i say heavy they went heavy on the propaganda yeah nigerian school children had a song about hitler it was in yoruba it was very funny <laughs> do you know this song? no i I'm, I'm trying to get a clip of it so i can put in this episode but if i don't you know hopefully someone can send it in to us and we'll put it in the next episode oh, we'll put it on our instagram oh put it on our instagram exactly um but yeah it was a real thing it was a real song um i'll ask my grandpa if he knows it because <laughs> he was actually a kid at that time um yeah so that was a thing and now when we're going back to um you know nigerians waking up the british empire was really really annoying and even though they were tricking us and lying to us by sending you know by 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 conscripting all these men and sending them abroad to fight in a war that really had nothing to do with them 
because you know I, I, <laughs> at the same time hitler had promised all the africans that look if you guys you know stay out of this fight i will give you your independence blah 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 mm. but the british empire had been like listen this guy is a racist he's an everythingist and he's not going to give you independence and we went with them Nigerians were like the devil we know the devil we know which <laughs> is pro- i think yeah i think we're on the right side of history i don't i don't think I, I would have liked it if Nigerians were known for having stood with Hitler in World War II. I don't think there's any yeah. country that wants to really... Yeah. yeah. Italy, it, Italy does a good job of living it down because they had a lot of <laughs> their own fascist leaders. So you kind of... I mean, Mussolini was... Bad. He was... Mussolini's own people Oof. arrested him and Hitler broke him out of jail. Do you get? So... <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Italy... It's, I, Italians just I think they use a lot of culture to kind of well, live it down yeah just wash it away things mm-hmm. like food and everybody washes it away everybody <sighs> pretends Hitler fought by himself I know but so many Japan I mean I don't know if ja- Japan have a very bad reputation on their own on their own I think that's what helps Italy like you, all the all the countries that fought with Hitler were just really they had really bad leaders at the time yeah. they were like doing horrible things yeah. yeah so you kind of realize like mm. but I know that there was like a Nigeria war relief fund wasn't there yeah there was it was set up by Bodylon yes we're, we're, we're going to get into that okay. we actually have to get into that because of this segment because when all the you know soldiers were fighting the government the British government went insane in Nigeria they um, rationed all our food so no matter how rich you were you couldn't buy more than a certain amount of food mm. And the rest of the food was now bought for bought by the English government for their troops, so and for their countries to fight their wars and to you know keep their people fed for pennies on the dollar. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh no, I actually know what you mean because uh, it it ends up in us having a strike, isn't it? Yeah. We had we had it in. Forty-five, I want to say. We had a lot of. Strikes. We had a lot of. Strikes, but I think it was like a huge one in forty-five with yeah. the farmers. You had forced labor in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the farmers were poor. Yeah, the farmers were poorer than ever during the war and after the war. So they were poorer than and ever. They were being taxed like crazy. They were being taxed insane, and they were working harder than ever. The funny thing is, one of the people who fought against the taxes and won was a woman by the name of um, what was her name her name was um, Alimotu Pelewura Alimotu Pelewura Alimotu Pelewura okay yeah she was a Nigerian trader and the leader of the Lagos Market Women's Association must be you know those kind of those kinds of views no but (laughs) honestly leaders of Market Women's Association all across the south oh like Baddest guys. No, I just want to please. I need you to look at this woman. Look at this picture of her. I've seen that picture before, actually. Okay, yes. I she is. Yeah. Riga. She is. She looks like a sultan. Yes. Um. So Alimot. So that's that's the album. That's the cover for this yeah. episode. <laughs> it has to be. I mean, so Alimoto was. Um. You know, she was. She became good friends with Herbert Macaulay, and this is how. It was against taxation. It was because of taxation. But the way she even um, did it was so interesting. You know, obviously she was a, you know, she was in the market. She, she, first of all, she's from the Awori tribe. 
of um, the Yoruba people. They were tried by a bunch of. Um, Not a bunch of. What? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, it's a distinct um, dialect of Yoruba. It's from um, Ogun states and Lagos states. They're kind of spread across that region, and they're actually known for trading um, and traveling a lot and all of that. Um, she founded the Lagos Women's Association in the 1920s with a few other market le- leaders. She was a fish trader and the alaga of the area coal market. And she became the association's premier president. During her, during her reign, the Lagos, Women, the Lagos Market Women's Association protested against taxation and price controls of produce. And both incidents she believed would impact, because she believed that both of them would impact the lives of women negatively, right? So she wasn't even fighting for like the whole country or anything like that. She was just like, listen, Lagos women work hard and you guys are now about to eat off of all of us to fight a war that none of us really care about right now. You know, I, I realize I, I know why she looks like this because I read about her in uh, Plata of Gold. She's in Plata of Gold. That's a good book. I think that, that I, is yeah. a, it's such a good book. I like, think that's why her name came up first as well for me. Um, you know who succeeded her, right? Um, who? So I guess. You can. I know you know. <laughs> yeah, give me the eye. <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. Tell I me, know tell you me. so well. Tell me. <laughs> Mogaji. Yeah. <laughs> Jagaban's mommy, uh, mother, quote unquote. His role, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, is, that, is that his role model? I mean, um, <laughs> but okay, so yeah. Alimotu is yeah. fighting the suppression of. So, yeah, she's fighting against the um, high taxation, the unfair taxation against Lagos women, market women. And at first, she talks to Bodilon. And Bodilon says, Listen, woman, we're fighting a war here. And all these taxes are very important, blah, blah, blah. And she says, excuse me, look outside. And she shows him the market women of Lagos. And she says, the taxes you put, how many people here do you think can afford it? And Bodilon says, okay, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll um, come up with a policy and we'll only tax the rich Lagos market women. Yeah. And she says, oh, no, that is insane. And then they go back and forth for a few week, weeks. And, you know, the strike is still on and the protests are still on. And eventually, do you know where they settle at? That he can only tax by income. And even with that income tax, he can only tax people making above 200 pounds. Okay. And the thing is, she settled on that number knowing that no one in the Lagos Market Women's Association <laughs> made <laughs> above 200 pounds. So she effectively ended the taxation. The taxation. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, there's a ton of other valiant efforts by Nigerian women during the war and after um, to just provide for the country to make sure people could eat. Because I don't know how to explain it, but during World War II and after... Nigeria was so poor. People yeah. were hungry. There was famine. There was poverty. I mean, we're poor now. But then, like, rich people couldn't buy all the food they wanted. They had the cash, though. But if you were rich, you couldn't just go to ShopRite and buy enough, be- enough rice. You couldn't, yeah, you couldn't just go and buy a bag of rice because the British need their food. So they were handing out ration cards to everyone. 
Yeah. And you could only buy what the what, British said you could buy. Yeah, exactly. What the British said you could, you could buy. I'm sure they decided we only needed. I mean, they were rationing in Europe, but it was their war. Exactly. Um, I, for me, I think it's like it's quite crazy when you think about it mm-hmm. because I was reading about the workers that they conscripted in Joss to mine for the mm, British during yeah, the war. I remember that. And also, apparently, Nigeria gave Great Britain interest-free loans during the war. We did. Uh, <laughs> but it was really the British giving themselves, themselves money. Interest our loan. money. Yeah, like, our oh, money. Uh, we have some money here that is from Nigeria. Let's give it to ourselves. Like, I mean, because if it's body loan handing it over to Churchill, then exactly. it's, it's really the British giving themselves money and a pat, in the, pat on the back. It's a bit crazy because you would hear how Nigerian exports food we could not eat in Nigeria was being eaten in Finland or something. Yeah. Um, at least people imagine that their histories are divorced from ours or that their success is divorced from our oppression. That's why <laughs> I saw this billboard. I mean, someone had done graffiti in the UK and it was um, it was basically saying we didn't come to you. You came, you came to, to us. us yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess because of the pushback against Rishi Sunak. I know, Um, but yeah, um, how about we Rishi Sunak? I was trying to make a pun, but I didn't finish well in my head. Usually, like I can start talking and the pun comes to me, but this time it didn't really work. You know, I've always wondered how it worked for you. Like, do you think before you speak, or you think while speaking, or you just let the words fly and then? See, it's a mixed bag. See what lands. It's a mixed bag. Um, I won't lie. My usual technique is to like just start talking and land somewhere good. But this is a history podcast, and I'm not really trying to give people alternative facts. I feel like there are too many of those in the world today. <laughs> Um, so we have to keep this as yeah fair enough um yeah so that that happened that is a big that 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 it was home and abroad you know during the war our soldiers are fighting these insane military campaigns with insane people against insane people and the women at home were saying nope you will not be taxing us for working and providing our fam- for our families at outrageous for with um, at outrageous amounts yeah i think it's uh sometimes because i think how many soldiers were sent 45k 45k right so 81st and 82nd yes divisions yes battalions battalions yeah Mm. sometimes you think like okay so it's those 45 that bear the grunt of the war effort no but then you forget that or you don't even realize because again we're not even taught this like I learned about World War Two in Nigeria, and I did not learn any single thing about Nigerians playing a role in the war, mm. or about you know I'd be learning about rationing in Berlin and London and mm-hmm. the Blitz, and I'll be learning about inflation in Germany. And you mean to tell me that they could not even say, oh, in Nigeria we were also rationed, like? We also had food rationing. We had worker strikes and minor strikes. We had conscripted labor. It's crazy because I promise I would bring out my history book now on World War II. And even if you look in the index, you won't even see Nigeria mentioned. Like, we're not even in the footnotes mm. of the books they write. Mm. But 
Anyways. Anyways, no, I hear you. I so, hear you, hear are we going to the fourteen-year-old, or is that not much? That is just a fact number thing. Oh no, I mean it's a number thing, but it's also the idea behind conscription and where people were conscripted. Yeah, globally, um, the further you went down south, the more shaky the conscription rules were. You feel me? Yeah. So in the Americas in europe you know it's 18 year olds in by the time you get to morocco if you can get a provisional driver's license <laughs> you can you can you can shoot a machine gun ah it's a solid lad and then by the time you go to nigeria oh boy ss2 ss1 Let's wow. go. You have a water fight. Can you imagine being two years away from finishing high school and having to leave the country, giving a machine gun, and told to go and fight in Ethiopia? And then after that, year, they tell you to go and fight in um, in Burma. And then after that, they tell you to go and fight in um, India. I think... I obviously can't imagine. Mm-hmm. But I also... I want our listeners to also contextualize this a bit because 45,000 might seem like a lot today, but it was a lot more then. Because I think our population was not, I don't even think we had as much people as we have in Lagos right now or something. Our population side was much smaller. Oh, yeah. So 45,000 is a lot mm-hmm. more than you'd even imagine. Yeah, man, I can't imagine, like, even my NYC. Uh, the first time I tried to do NYC, they sent me to Kaduna. Sorry to anybody who lives in Kaduna, but my mommy said no. <laughs> now imagine the British who came and said, instead of Kaduna. She said Kaduna. <laughs> okay, I see. You just say it as it comes to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine if they came and... Can, nope. Oh. Sorry. Gosh. Bornono. <laughs> <laughs> Bornono, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's who? Man, let's move on to the next. Okay. Let's um, let's move on to the Civil War because I'm just like gonna let you. You yeah, made your bed yeah, now. Yeah. You're about to lie in let's, it. Let's go into it. Um. So yeah, you know the Civil War one is very. It's it's really very scary. I mean. Uh, the Civil War was 1966, yes? Now, World War II ended in 1945. That is... That's 21 years. And an interesting way to look at it is if you are 16 or 17 and you fought in World War II and you managed to get home... You won't even have had your 40th birthday. Yeah, you're still a young man. You're still a youth. You're still a youth. And then, you know, couple it with the fact that, you know, Nigerians are eating very healthy food. They're living longer. I mean, this is the, this is between the 30s and... No, yeah, 1939, the war started. So between the 30s and the 60s. What are we looking at? What what are things that are really killing people? It's alcohol consumption and a wide acceptance of tobacco smoke. Really? Yeah, I mean in Nigeria. Oh yeah, it was huge in Nigeria. Men and women smoked heavily. Um, most of our grandparents even 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the religious infiltration in Nigeria was gradual, but it took a very strong firm hold in the 70s and 80s. Okay. Yeah, people really adopted it as their thing. Before then, it was, you know, go to Catholic church or Anglican church or whatever church, but it was just a nice Sunday activity. And it was also a thing that you could take when you went to England, when you visited England, you could just go to the church as well, see around, oh, okay, this is how they do it here. It's just, you know, it wasn't the way it is now where people just carry religion. And make their, they make it their personality, essentially, which is not wrong. I, I, I don't have anything to say about that. But yeah, um, so you're healthy, you're about, four, you're, you know, 39, 41, whatever. You're young. You're a young man. You could play like the main character in a Marvel movie at this point. And next thing you hear, there's Civil War. <sighs> oh boy, you might, you might have to, you might have to get into it. Get into what, the war? The war. I mean, so a lot of the, a, a lot of the um, veterans of World War II were in fact fighting in the Civil War. Do you have names? They picked up arms. No, because a lot of them, interestingly enough, were not in leadership. Remember, 90% of our soldiers in World War II yeah. Were men who are just. Um, Did you just say ninety percent of the way people say it on Twitter? What do you mean? Do you have a backing for that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no so ninety percent were just men who were like you know from. They were in class. They were like from villages, okay. and they were from. They were working class people. They um, had no. Um, they had no um, army ambition. They had no. Um, they, they, they just wanted to go back to their farms after or go back to their jobs after as clerks or whatever and this actually goes back to the war again but we'll get, we'll, it's, it's just a weird callback and a back and forth really between two time periods but during World War II the British Army needed a lot of clerks nurses um, um, interpreters um, just people that could do jobs that Admin. Admin jobs where they could like literally train them for six months to a mm. year. And it's a job they could do and earn from for the rest of their lives. And there are certain jobs that kind of open your mind in a way where, oh, you can't stop consuming information, you mm. know? So they got, they trained a lot of people for those roles during the war. And then after the war, obviously with the way the British, the British treated Nigerians, Number one, they didn't promote any single Nigerian to any rank beyond petty soldier, petty of like you know there were no officers in the British Army in the Allied forces that were Nigerians. They didn't promote any single Nigerian. They kept all of us as foot soldiers, basically pawns on the board. The first army officer they they um, promoted was in 1949, which was four years after the war had ended. Yeah. So because of things like that, and the fact that when um, a general called General, I think his name was General Sim, he was a British general at the time, when he gave his speech after the war, thanking all the countries and people that participated, he didn't thank Nigeria. Even though Nigeria was very instrumental. He didn't thank Nigeria at all? He didn't mention Nigeria. Oh, wow. So things like that, you know, the amount of education people had gotten during the war, the um, the fact that none of us were promoted, the way they, the way we were taxed, all of that kind of contributed to us wanting to fight for our independence. Okay. They woke up those sentiments. They woke up those ideas in us, which is ironic because they were trying to prevent that by sending us to 
India and um, New Delhi and oh, I guess that's in India but Burma and all those places so it kind of backfired on them and you know they made us walk either way um, now going back 20, um, 21 years into the future 1966 um, the civil war breaks out a bunch of coups are being cooed and um, Nigerians are just generally mad at each other for several reasons that we don't really have to get into for the sake of brevity but yeah there's a civil war and a lot of men that were veterans of the last war really have no skills beyond the soldiering they had done in their youth a lot of them went back to their farms a lot of them trained and they tried to get new jobs but the thing about civil wars is that everyone is conscripted the only volunteers are like the top 20 people that starts the coups and starts the fight and everything but everyone else you just have to fight you know you, you, you can't really run away from a civil war you have to fight or you or you jackpa and at that point in time there was a lot of hope in the country yeah nigerians were not really ready to jackpa people were ready to fight for whatever the idea of the country was at the time so all these men fought and a lot of them died and then against things like Biafra where a lot more people died so you know c'est la vie did you just say c'est la vie c'est la vie a lot of people died a lot of people died um, I want to quickly talk about um, just the Nigerian efforts in the war though because beyond the fact that we were mistreated by the British during and after the war we were such an asset to the British army that in their communications they would regularly be dumbfounded by how effective we were in the field number one was the fact that regular armies regular soldiers in the allied forces had been trained a certain way yeah and we were trained the same way but nigerians also have ways of organizing themselves that baffle white people and non-nigerians number one is division of labor regular armies when they move and they're, you know, basically on a campaign. Everyone is a soldier, so everyone is holding guns, everyone's holding their supplies. They're moving. Nigeria was very different. Absolutely. We would, we would, we had soldiers, like basically we, we were all soldiers, we were all trained to fight too. But these guys amongst each other were just like, okay, you know what? All of you are going to carry all the bags. All of you are going to carry all the guns. All of you are going to be a scout troop that moves ahead and, you know, um, sees um, and, and plots the safe route for us to go through and all of that. So because of the way we organized ourselves and the way we moved and traversed through the campaign trail, we moved way faster than the other um, Allied Force armies. I'm talking about the 81st and the 82nd um, West African Battalion. West African Bats. <laughs> Battalion. Which was mostly Nigerians. Yes, which was mostly Nigerians. Um, so we moved very quickly, so much so that um, at certain points we would move like maybe we would do like maybe on foot so by the way on foot we would do well I guess some of us they would have jeeps and all of that for scouting and stuff but it was mostly on foot so we would move like maybe 150 miles in 10 days oh, wow. which was insane by army standards and we would move so fast that we would have to now wait for a couple of days 
for the other battalions to catch up with us. Oh wow! So <laughs> I get to the front and they're like, "I'm oh, those Oibo people." <laughs> Apparently, they're still one week behind us. Bro, <laughs> they'll be here next week. I beg, let's chill. Let's just wait here, and they'll just hang out. I mean, it's also the fact that we were better. I guess because we ha- we were used to a certain climate. It made traversing through you know Egypt and Cairo and. Um, you know, Ethiopia, Ethiopia and Libya, and all these places. It made it easier for us. We could we could bear more than um, our Oyimbo counterparts. Now, at the same time, it's also important to note that um, when it came to the fighting, we were exceptional. They put us in Burma to fight the Japanese. Now, the Japanese had been slaughtering most of the allied forces that went to Burma. They were impossible to beat. One, they were commandos and they were fighting in the jungle, so they were only using guerrilla tactics and they were fighting and coming out from the shadows and you know hiding and shooting and they were really good at it. So they sent Nigerians there because they didn't value our lives and they thought, you know what, let them go and die there. At least they will do something. They will, they will, save, they will stall them for a little bit. Nigerians went there and they were like, okay, uh, this jungle, this is just bush now. <laughs> Small bush. Uh, let's see what we can do. And they started sending guys up and down. In a couple of months, they feel they hacked it, destroyed them, so much so that um, the 1st Battalion had overwhelmed the Japanese and they had overwhelmed them to the point that the 2nd Battalion was now coming to relieve them so they could go on a little break. And the Japanese realized that, oh, the second battalion should be coming back soon. And basically, think about it like this. By the time the fighting started, the Japanese were essentially on the west side of Burma and the Nigerians were on the east side. By the time they had finished, the Nigerians were on the east side and the Japanese were on the west side. So the battalion that was going to come and to retrieve, um, you know, take over their duties were also going to be coming from that west side. So they they realized they would be surrounded. So they just signed out of the war and they were like, all right, we'll see you guys um, in a different theater. Burma is done for now. Nigerians, you know, you guys, you did well. We'll see see you next time. And that was it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. We chased Japan out of Burma. We chased them out of Burma. that, That was the end. They left. Wow. Yeah. We were very, very, very successful in Burma. Um, we lost a, a few people, but not more than a hundred, which was already an amazing statistic on its own. Um, I just want to say RIP to those people that are fighting. That's because you're fighting in an insanely harsh environment as well. The jungles of Burma were not forgiven. And it was really hot. A I bunch of snakes. Imagine. Yeah, a bunch of snakes and pests and all these things. But also, like, for a lot of Nigerians, it wasn't anything. It wasn't any, like a lot, of, a lot of these guys that were coming from villages and farms and all of that. Bush was bush to them. And they knew where to stay away from, where to not go, what looked dodgy, what didn't look dodgy. The kind of water to drink, the kind of water not to drink. When it comes to when it came to um, guerrilla tactics, whew, I don't know where they, I don't know who trained them, but they they did what they had to do, and they out guerrilla the Japanese, who were at that point in the war known for being extremely ferocious fighters. 
mostly because they were really bad at giving up. Yeah, Japanese well, yeah. were s- known as Japanese were said to be so aggressive and ferocious that they were kind of dehumanized in propaganda to the point where American soldiers would keep body parts of Japanese soldiers that they killed as trinkets mm-hmm. because yeah. they like saw them as kind of not human, human yeah. you know, with the kamikaze pilots and everything. Like this idea of Japanese soldiers just being other, other. Like they were, <laughs> I don't know. How to yeah, explain they were other essentially. They were yeah. like treated like yetis or just myth- like mythical creatures. Yeah, that were bad at giving up or, or dying. They were just ferocious. But anyway, if. We, if anyone is going to frustrate a Japanese person out of the jungle, I, I guess it was a bunch of Nigerians, and they they, they did a good job. Um, they were very successful in Burma. Um, again, during this time, these guys are fighting this one in the jungle. They're making a campaign across, um, you know, East Africa as well, and they are fighting in all these places that are really harsh, and they are doing very well. And then back home, the Nigerian women are making sure that they have livelihoods to come back to mm. and their families are eating and they're not going to tax them into an early grave an early grave so the world war ii um nigerian experience was really it was it was multi-pronged it was fought on you know we had a home front and we had a battle front <laughs> a battle front yes fair enough so guys yes that is um, a brief summary of Nigerian adventures in World War II. Um, there's some great books you can read about this. My personal favorite is Burma Boy. And it talks about this um, guy. His name was... Um, I forgotten, I've forgotten his name. But basically, he was a Nigerian conscript in the army. And he fought in Burma. And he was one of the earliest people to go there. And his entire regiment was killed because it wasn't a full I guess it was it wasn't a full Nigerian regiment it was him and a guy from Syria alone and they were the only survivors and then the Burma the Burmese people is that what they're called they hid them Oh, you mean um, Isaac Fadoyebo? Yes, Isaac Fadoyebo. Oh, it's not. Uh, that's not the Burma Boy book. The Burma Boy book is by someone else. No, no, it's by someone else, but it's based on him. It's no, it's um, another man's war. That's the book. Oh wait, Burma Boy. I think is a fictionalized version. The book is called Another Man's War. Yeah, the story of the story of a Burma boy in Britain's forgotten yeah, African army. That's what I'm talking but about. But there's an actual novel called Burma Oh, no, I'm not boy. talking I'm talking about the I'm not talking about the novel. I'm talking yeah. about um, Yeah, so he and this um this um Syrian guy were hidden by the villagers for 10 months while Japanese and um a bunch of Nazis were looking for them. And he died in 2012. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, that's not long ago. Yeah, very recent. He died in 2012, and the funny thing is, he wrote a he wrote a book on his experience um, in the 50s, but British people nobody wanted it. And then in 1989, he the British people were looking for a what do you call it a, um, 
they were looking for African stories of people that fought during the war because they were trying to celebrate this what I guess twenty or thirty or forty year you know anniversary of the war ending. Mm. And he said, "Oh, I have this thing I wrote like twenty years ago, and they took it and they loved it, and it was a big hit, bestseller." Mm. Yeah. So the book I thought you were talking about was Burma Boy" by B. Bandeli. Oh no! Isn't that that's an, that's the playwright that died this year? Oh, he died this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But He's, yeah, it's a fictional. He's the guy who directed Half of a Yellow Sun. Oh really? Yeah, and he just the um, Shrinker movie that came out on Netflix this weekend. He directed it as well, I think. Oh. Yeah. Really he was very cool. ta- very talented man really cool um you guys we are coming up on twenty thousand. we are coming up on twenty thousand for the podcast 20k 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 i think we should do a giveaway what do you want to give you should we give you a 20k 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 what naira yeah for 20k <laughs> that doesn't seem right okay in this economy that's that's about 10 bucks <laughs> I mean, wow, that's literally less than ten bucks. Are you saying twenty k is less than ten dollars? Okay, no, twenty k is about twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, more or less. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. Uh, uh, if you guys are listening, like, what do you want us to? Give I think you? we should give away history books. Okay, I want them to. I want our listeners to suggest what they want. Okay. Um, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Give 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 them a mile. Give them an inch and they'll take a mile. I mean, the most we will do is say no. Right now. <laughs> but I just I don't mean, want to say no to them. I don't want to disappoint them. Um, Timsha doesn't say no to you. Just know that I am always willing and ready to say no. <laughs> I am a trained professional in the word no. Mm. Boy, no, no, no. I'm joking. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's not even funny. Let's leave on a lighter note. Lighter note is... We are doing a giveaway. What do you want us to give away to you? What do you want to get Besides facts. from us? Besides facts and history. sometimes laughter, often history, and uh, my sweet, sweet voice. <laughs> what else would you like? Oh, I know why you should give it away. What? Um, if, well, if we'll do like a thing and whoever wins, you can do like a personalized... Um, podcast thing for them where we just do an episode and we talk about them they can send us facts in and we can just narrate your life like a historical figure <laughs> since i give you guys homework but i actually i'm enjoying that so maybe two truths and a lie about oh you know what they might like maybe we should do a two truths and a lie segment about ourselves hey nothing too serious Hey, just background education. Mm, or like, what's your favorite, you know, why would I not be caught dead eating? The answer is Semovita. I don't like Semovita. The either. answer is Semovita. Also like Fufu. Uh, fufu is not terrible, Bro. but Semovita is just, you know, it does me up. Why would you eat Fufu when Eba exists? Like, what is, and Powder Jam exists? Like, what is the point of Fufu? Okay, we don't have to do this. People, you don't want to divide it. <laughs> Okay. Um, thank you guys for sticking with us this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening to our episode. I want to say thank you to TMT because he's a very supportive partner and I do not shout him out enough. Oh my God. But I'm actually going to shout him out this week because, I mean, my laptop did what it did. Life does what it does. And, do what it do. And he does what he do, um, which is have my back. And I am... 
there's one thing that uh, keeps this podcast going it is to have in my back <laughs> my back hover guys <laughs> say what back cover. I hope you guys enjoy your weeks. I hope you guys all have a TMT in your life. Um, and yeah, let us know what you'd like to get on our Instagram. Peace. Bye.